This podcast is supported by Patreon. You can support it at patreon.com slash toadsanime to listen to the next episode before it releases. Alternatively, spend it on something more important, like replacing the dirty old sofa in your house. You know the one. Oh, by the way, Ryan accidentally recorded from his laptop mic instead of his nice, expensive mic, which is why this time he sounds like he's recorded on a potato. Sorry. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Toad on Games. I'm a toad. I'm on some games. I don't know if I'm sitting on them or playing them. Who knows? Who cares? With me today is Ash from SMG Studios. Hey, how's it going? All good. Um, just before we recorded this, we had a discussion about how very English I sound, because we've spoken on Twitter <laughs> for a while. Yeah. We've spoken on Twitter for some time, and I think you were reading all of my tweets in an American accent. Which I love. Yeah, American or Australian or just, you know, non-accent. Uh, no accent given, but I was saying, yeah, it's, it's, like, I'm, it's like now I'm on an episode of Monty Python or uh, Black Adder. Yeah, that is what this is. <laughs> which, is, which, is good, which is good. You know, I, I love those, you know, I love the English comedies. <laughs> yeah, I am exceptionally British, but I don't like tea. So I guess I've, I've fucked up. Oh, really? You, yeah. You, like, you literally don't like it. Nah, I just don't like tea. Just don't, oh. not into it. I'll tell you what it was. It might have been, it might have been because um, when I was younger, um, me and my friends, this has nothing to do with video games, so bear with me. Yeah. Um, but me and my friends, um, we would record like these regional like, sketch shows and stuff on our camera. And I think one of the sketches involved me having to hold like really cold tea, like tea that had been out all day in my mouth. Yeah. And like spit yeah. it out. And I had never drank uh... it before. So I think I just relate it to that yeah. disgusting yeah. moment. Yeah, you, you've been scarred. It's like you know, you're, you're it's pretty an emotional, snotty. It's, yeah, it's a tea scar. It's a it's a scar of tea. Um, <laughs> that's a new my name of my new indie band, Tea Scars. Tea Scars, yeah, <laughs> love it. Um, <laughs> before we completely derail talking about tea, do you want to tell people um, who you are, what you do, and all that lovely stuff? Yeah, so I'm the studio head of SMG Studio. Um, we just released Moving Out. Before that, we had. Desk Squared. We also do Risk on the mobile. We have No Way Home on Apple Arcade. So we're Australian Day Studio. Uh, we've got Sydney and Melbourne, and we've also got a small uh, a satellite studio in LA as well. Awesome. And uh, yeah, Ash is exceptionally lovely. I very specifically remember. <laughs> um, I remember there was a moment. I think maybe I was like down or something to her, and you and you guys reached out. And was like, mate, if you need to just like get away and come and have some office space in Australia just to chill for a couple of days. You're more than welcome. And I very, I very vividly remember that. That was a very, I never took it out before. But um, I very, very yeah. No, I think, yeah, because we've, we've got like a shared, um, we've set up our office now with Game Plus. It's kind of like the shared space. And, you know, we want to, we want to utilize that. We have some spare desks. So, you know, I think, I can't remember exactly what you said, but I remember, it, you know, being like, ah, oh, you know, feeling a bit flustered or down. And it's like, you know, Oh, if you need to come to Australia, uh, you know we've got a place you can stay and a, and a desk to use because you know you got to you got to uh, send out that olive branch to you know to the industry because you know we have that space available, so why not use it? You know, it's exceptionally kind of you. Um, huh. It's so strange because obviously here in here in the UK, space is just not. I mean, we are so limited on space, whether it's home space and office space, like it's just not a thing here. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I, th- I think hope maybe in a couple of years we wouldn't have the space, but we were just in, in that period where we we just uh, set up the co-working space. So we had it there and I was like, oh, you know, it just seems like a waste. And I, was, I've put, I put that offer out to a few people and I think I, I've realized now that people might be like, oh, does that mean I have to spend all the time talking to Ash? And so I should have just said like, hey, if you want to come and just say like, like I'm not, I'm not there to, you know, I don't really want to hang out with you. I just want to give you the space and then do whatever you want. Come visit Australia and have a great time. <laughs> now I have to, I have to put like a caveat, like I, I don't expect you to hang out with me all the time. <laughs> Maybe a dinner. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm still going to remember that. I would, I would definitely like to take up the offer. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. You want to come when it's really cold there and. Um, you know, we've got we've got a good a good game scene as well, but it, I think it's just more to like you know sp- spread spread the love around when you can. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't really know that much about the Australian game scene in general, to be honest. Like, I know that a, a bunch of people that follow me are, are from that, but um, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, very... I, all I really know is sort of the ratings are a bit weird, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of that's kind of sad that that's our. Uh... That's Australia's game legacy. That you know, we 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 have we have R-rated games. Pardon me, but we also ban a lot of games um, yeah. for drugs or drug use and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a, we're in a weird state. But yeah, the, I mean, the, the game scene in Australia is very. I don't know. Even state by state, it varies quite a lot. And I found out uh, today that Golf with Friends was um, you know published by Team Seventeen same people that published us for moving out but that was three guys um from brisbane which is the the state um that halfrick's from in, in australia and you know it's been a huge success and it's like wow this is a team that i've never spoken to never heard of um doesn't really interact with the rest of the the industry but you know is is killing it out there so we have a lot of studios like that that are just what call them secret squirrel studios where they're just secretly just doing um you know great stuff and not really interacting with the rest of the uh, the Australian industry, or even really waving the Australian made flag that hard. Um, so it's kind of hard to you know get a collective you know how Australia is doing great when we're not really all tooting our own horn, you know. Mm-hmm. So would you say that the uh, Australian game scene is quite interconnected then? Like, yeah, it is. It isn't. You know, there's a few studios, and Melbourne's definitely got its um, a click, and it's also got you know, kind of its own uh, ecosystem, if you will, because there's a lot of uh, funding there from Film Victoria. Um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of connected in some ways, and in other ways, yeah, you've just got studios that you know are doing their own thing. You've got Team Cherry with Hollow Knight. You've got Sidebar Games that did Golf Story. Um, you know, they all kind of mind their own business if you will um and you've got other studios like like myself or league of geeks and other um other ones that you know talk a lot or you know try to uh collaborate or you know collaborate on you know not not on games themselves but just you know on growing the scene um so yeah it's a it's a, it's a real real mix of um you know, some that are really connected and some that aren't connected, you know, and the ones seems to be the ones, you know, that aren't connected that are just off doing their own thing somehow sometimes have this like great success, but you know, they're just, they're just heads down doing their own thing off, off social media. Fair enough. Um, do you, so, so are you locked down at the moment? I'm not even entirely sure what the situation is. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, I think we're at week 10 now. Um, I think they're slowly lifting uh, the regulations. I just 
uh, said to the team, like, we'll probably give it a, a couple of weeks buffer. So when everything opens back up, let's give it a couple more weeks. We don't need to, you know, rush to the office. So we don't need to add to the uh, congestion. Um, so, yeah, we're all, we're all working fine. We kind of, yeah, we did that in, yeah, week 10 now. So it's it's going to that. We're, we're at a lucky stage where, you know, projects are kind of already rolling. There's no nothing new being started. Um, no new members coming onto the team. So it's kind of we're in an easy spot where we can just kind of, you know, business as usual, but we're just working from home now. Right, yeah. So so I guess you're just mostly dealing with sort of post-launch stuff at the moment. Yeah, we've got post-launch for um, moving out. We're, you know, always in production for Risk, um, which is on mobile and Steam. So we've done that for the last four years. Um, we've also got um, updates for No Way Home. And then we've got a few legacy titles that we um you know, tidying up. So even Desk Square, just, you know, updating that on Steam and mobile. So it's just kind of a, a constant flow of work. And luckily, because we control those deadlines, we've, we've been able to stretch them out. So we'd, we don't have to, you know, we're not stressed out or anything like that. And, you know, uh, capacity-wise, when we're at home, it's a little bit different. So, you know, deadlines are being pushed out a little bit. And that's kind of fine. So yeah, it's, it's a myriad of things, um, different because we've got multiple titles, you know. So we're all at different stages with those, but it's, it's good. Sweet. So I mean, yeah. you brought up moving out. Um, obviously, I regretfully haven't played it yet, even though it looks oh, extremely <laughs> my shit. Um, yeah. I saw I saw a review kind of compared it to it's like a, a physics overcooked slash Animal Crossing thing. And it just looks amazing. I've seen lots of gameplay. I've seen lots of people playing it. Um, it seems Thanks. like my, my partner is not a gamer, but he I, I, there's a couple of games I've managed to get him interested in, and I suspect this will probably be one. I think I can hook them on it. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping yeah. that will be the case. I think um, I think that will be that will be the case. And we've got you know options. You can open up the assist mode and toggle some of the uh, difficulty elements or gameplay elements to kind of to suit your needs but yeah it should it's a you know it's it's moving so it's moving things from a to b you know it's pretty easy to understand you work together so you know you're not fighting with it you're fighting with each other to do the best time but you're not fighting against each other in the game so yeah it's a good cooperative uh couch co-op game and it's you know it's kind of chill and it's very wholesome we try to add a lot of funny moments in there as well so yeah it's hopefully hopefully he'll uh he'll enjoy it I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's not. He's he's quite good at games, but he'll only end up playing like literally one or two every year or two. Um, yeah, and they're random. Like I've managed to get him <laughs> interested in Overcooked, and he was very good at it. Like we finished it, we three started the level, which is amazing for a yeah. gamer. Um, yeah, yeah. Was... <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So a lot of a lot of couch co-op stuff, and um, I, I think I showed him the trailer of the moving out because I want him to play with it. Um, and he was very interested. Like he he. he you got it. Like it's one of those games that you see it and you get it. Like you understand yeah. why that's fun, and how that's going to be fun, and you get those yeah. that will take the game quite easily. I think. Yeah, it's a pretty easy concept. You know, moving's a universal kind of uh, topic, or not not a topic, a, a universal truth that people know how to move. You know, yeah. so you don't really have to explain. You know, like why am I doing this? What's the motivation? You know, it's like you're not saving the world. You're just moving stuff from A to B. Um, although in the story you are potentially saving the world, um, 
But yeah, if you three start a lot of um, overcooked levels, then you know this is a little bit, it's it's different, but um, it's the same vibe of you know couch co-op together. So if you've done three stars yeah. on that, you know this this will be um, uh, a much a much easier experience. Sweet, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm super looking forward to it. Um, I mean, it's not out, but I'm, I'm looking forward to yeah. potentially getting him to play it with me. Um, yeah, yeah, there just there just aren't that many couch cop games, and a lot of them are the sort of things that I can't play with sort of a casual player. Um, there are really, I mean, it's off the top of my hand, from my hands, really, I can count how many there are. Um, so it's, yeah. it's really good to see that this is a couch cop game, and as I say, that you can you just get it, like you see it, you understand it. Um, not yeah, like I, yeah, like I love Portal Two. You know, that's that's an amazing game. But if you gave that to someone who wasn't, you know, up to snuff with the, uh, you know, first person jumping, turning around, shooting, and stuff, it would be a very frustrating um, co-op experience. So if you play with someone who's a at your same level and, uh, you know, a, is a good first person shooter type player, you know, they can do all the advanced moves and jumps and stuff you need. And you know, when I played that with my friend. Um, you know, it was amazing, but yeah, I think our game has a much lower, uh, much lower barrier to entry. So, you know, a lot more, a wider audience can enjoy the game. And I think that's, that's a tough one is, you know, just finding, like I've got a seven-year-old and a three-year-old, um, kid and just trying to find a game for anyone under 10 is quite hard these days that, that don't involve like, you know, that, that isn't Minecraft, um, that doesn't involve shooting or punching things. Yes, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, everything is. It's 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 so interesting because it's such a unique idea, and you need to get it by seeing it, um, which is honestly very rare these days. Um, but yeah, and also it's it's although it's sort of wacky and over the top and funny, it's also kind of based on something quite normal, which is what we kind of need right now with lockdown, like moving items, moving out, and moving items yeah. around. Sort of definitely sort of yeah, game to do with. Yeah, it was really fun as a topic. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, that comedy thing where you take something that's very banal or pe- that people hate and you make fun with it. You know, you have fun with it. And um, I think that, yeah, the moving uh, kind of theme, you know, uh, definitely made it really easy to kind of, you know, design levels and, you know, make the story up and, and have a bit of fun with it because everyone knows that. And so you're just having that little comedy tweak to it. Yeah. Is that where this game started? Did it start with that theme and sort of working from there as to how that could be fun or was it the other way around? Well, it started, uh, so we actually partnered with a, a, a developer, uh, Jon, who uh, from Devon Games, um, we'd worked with him a little bit before um, doing Flash, this, this back in the day doing Flash games together. Um, and I'd always wanted to work with him again. We tried to hire him multiple times. I've got like an email, of, you know, my email thread for, from like 2013 to 2017 and me just emailing him every six months like, hey, you want to go and work for, you want to work with us? Um, and his thing was he was helping a friend move and, you know, they had their couch and stuff. So they'd measured the couch and kind of worked it out on, I don't know if it was grid paper or trying to like pre-game the move. So they were like, you know, drawing up schematics to work out will their couch get out or what's the best angle to rotate the couch out. And then Jan went away from that going, oh, I should make a simulation game about moving, which was, you know, very technical and, you know, very slow and methodical. And in the process of that and then us coming on board, you know, we kind of kept tuning it to just to make it more fun and wacky. And that's where the, the kind of, you know, the fun gameplay came out. 
versus you know making it more like a simulation game. So yeah, it actually started out as a, like a, a moving simulator to to the more literal sense, almost like a uh, you know farming simulator. You know, is a you know trying to simulate farming. It would have been at that level, but we kind of realized there's a lot more fun to have where you can just break stuff and throw couches than move them beautifully. That's interesting. That's interesting that the theme kind of popped up first, as opposed to like that you had the physics in place already, and then what can we do around this? Um, yeah, sort of. It, I mean, from, from my perspective, it seems rare that you kind of have that theme first and then go, "Cool, how do we make it fun?" Yeah, I think it was more like the, the there was a there's a the mechanics of moving. There's there's game design around that, and just kind of like the finding the fun. We just kind of. You, you, that was the kind of north star in the end it was rather than build the most realistic simulator it was you know how do we make this more fun and so you know we initially had things that you would get you'd get points for you'd lose points for breaking things or damaging the house and you'd gain points for being fast and then we realized like well if every time you break something you lose points you become careful so you walk really slowly and it, it was just that was the opposite it was like oh this isn't fun and as soon as you remove the uh, need for points, and it's all about speed, then it opens up more things. So yeah, it was kind of a yeah, the theme was there, but it was almost like a you know, it's it's a theme that's ripe for um, uh, game mechanics, and then just you know, what decisions do we make, and what do we remove, and what do we focus on to get us to the most fun fun game, if you will. So everything was like tuned to be fun. Oh, that's good. I mean, that's that's, that's yeah. great. I mean, and it shows because uh, again, I haven't played it, but it looks exceptionally fun. I've seen tons of hours worth of gameplay of this, and uh, yeah, it's it, it it looks fantastic. I'm just sort of, sort of waiting for my partner to play it with me. Yeah, so if you're listening, <laughs> play it with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was this your first time working with Team Seventeen? I, I'm not actually sure because this is this yeah. theme such a Seventeen game like it fits so well in their model. Yeah, yeah, it was the first time um, we'd work with them. First time we'd actually worked with a publisher, really, because all of our previous titles have been kind of self-published. Um, and originally we were going to self-publish this one as well, but you know, after speaking to Debbie at Team Seventeen and speaking to the team, I was like, I can either you know make my twenty twenty. You know, me, even me specifically, it was a bit of a selfish decision to kind of go like, oh, if we choose Team 17, work with Team 17, it's just going to make life easier for everyone um, from QA to game design to just overall product, um, you know, management of it. So it was like made a lot more sense um, than scaling up the team. The team that uh, from SMG that made uh, moving out was in Melbourne, so it was a relatively new team that we'd put together. The main team's in Sydney, and so there was a lot of uh, trepidation there. You know, from a you know, oh, we'll have to get you know another, an, an extra producer just for the console. We'll have to get more QA. We'll need another senior kind of you know game designer to help out with levels or you know just be across things. And Team Seventeen was able to augment our team in the right way, so we could just focus on making the game. So. Yeah, it's the first time that it you know it was uh, again it was the first time working with a with a publisher really, right. so that was interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. It's um, it looks really good, and has it has it gone well? Like from what I've seen, people are loving it, and it's and... yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. the 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 thing for us is it's um, you know a long term game as well. So you know we're hoping to continue. Uh, you know we're, we're 
looking at post-release um, stuff now, but you know it should continue to sell. It's not like a flash in the pan type game. So you know that's what we're excited about as well, just the kind of the long tail um, of the game because you know our previous game Death Squared because it was a puzzle game. If you watch that, uh, you know watch a streamer or watch someone play it, it kind of spoils a little bit of it because it's showing the puzzles. But with uh, right. moving out because it's a lot more physics and fun and co-op watching someone play it doesn't spoil the game so um yeah it's got a lot more kind of longevity there and the reviews have been great we've you know i think we're at, you know we're kind of higher on metacritic than we thought we'd be so so that's good and yeah just there's a there's a lot more kind of fun to be had in this we've kind of built like a fun sandbox game so you know we've got moving from a to b but there's a lot of things we can still do in this uh, in the environment or sandbox that we've built to have fun. So um, as you do with any game, in the process of making the game, you come up with all these ideas that you go, oh, well, you know, you're not going to put this new idea in at the 11th hour, so we'll hold that back for later. So we've got a lot of those ideas that we're just kind of reviewing now that came up over the development period. Sweet. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, uh, again, I'm, I'm super looking forward to actually playing it. I'm sitting here talking about it, I haven't even played it yet. I am uh, <laughs> playing it. It looks amazing. It's a yeah. sort of game that yeah. it, really, like, any game that I can manage to get my partner interested in, for me, is so special because it's so rare. Um, yeah. I'll, so I'll make sure to chase you up. I'll, I'll, send you, I'll have, like, a tweet reminder and be like, hey, have you played it yet? Have you played it yet? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, it's a good so obviously I'm on I'm locked down. I haven't got a huge uh, sort of immediate backlog at the moment, so it's like it's definitely the kind of game I want to hit up at the moment. Cool. Um. So I uh, I think we brought up Risk earlier, um, and that's yeah. like a whole different ball game. I remember yeah. reading um reading the story about how that happened, and that in yeah. itself is like really interesting. Yeah, it's what well, it was. We were we were at uh, GDC in the kind of GDC play booth you know, the expo area. And I think we were showing our first game, OTTTD, which is our very first game. And, you know, I'd gone away for something. I came back and Ilya, who was on the booth with me, was like, hey, I got this card from someone from Hasbro. I'm like, whoa, Hasbro, this is cool. Um, and he's like, yeah, we wanted to talk or something. Um, yeah, so spoke to the, you know, spoke to um, Hasbro guy and he's like, oh, have you... I think um, oh, we'll get you signed up in our kind of supplier system. Um, you know, you have to fill out this form and stuff. And the funny thing about filling out the form for to be a Hasbro supplier is that, you know, you fill it out and it's like, which of these skills does your company have? And it was like, um, there was one tick box there. I had to I had to Google the word and the actual, I can't remember what the word was, but it was the art of putting um, uh, hair into dolls. So you've got a doll, and you have to push push the hair into the um into the you know the rubber doll head, and that was an actual skill. And they had like you know, do you have global logistics supply chain? Do you um, how are you working with these plastics? It was like super detailed for like toy manufacturing, and then I was like looking for us. It's like oh, there's one box, you know, like interactive elements. So we ticked that box. Um, but yeah, we they basically said, oh, have you done any strategy games before? And we've done a bunch of flash strategy games before that, um, and then then we kind of pitched on the you know the, they said basically you had about ten days to pitch for risk you know you've got well it's coming in quite late but hey we want you to pitch for this um, 
for this game and this risk. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm a huge risk fan. So we pitched on that, um, heard back a week later and it's like, oh, you didn't get it. So we're like, you know, really sad. And then about, I think it was like another week or another couple of days later, it was like, actually, we went back to your pitch. We really loved your attitude and kind of approach to it. So let, let's do it. You know, you've got, you've won the job. I was like, oh, that's amazing. So um, luckily all my ex-advertising kind of flash game background helped us kind of, you know, put together, a you know, an in- interesting pitch. And when I've done the pitch, you know, we put a little jokes in on the slides and stuff. So it wasn't just all business. It was, you know, um, you know, if there's a character in there that have little speech bubbles saying things and, you know, funny joke, try to put like sense of humor and kind of come across that way in the pitch. Um and we try to do that in a lot of our work just to, you know, stand out because I think a lot of people take stuff too seriously. So that kind of won us over that. And then, yeah, we started working on risk and we've looked after, I think that was like 2015 or something. So worked on that for five years now um, and still still going. We had one of our best, I think 2020 will be our best year ever. So that's a good oh, wow. good sign. Yeah, oh, I think so it's, thanks. it's growing. So it's, it's doing better than it's, than it ever has. Yeah, that, that's a combination of one, one we've launched on Steam, so it's a new platform, and two, with the um, the pandemic and the lockdown, I shared a tweet um, just today, like, showing the kind of growth that we've had, and, you know, for, for a little while, we were, like, uh, you know, double revenue for, you know, from March to end of April, so it's uh, the pandemic in that sense, you know, meant a lot more people were sitting at home you know, ready to play a 45, you know, 50 minute game of risk every, um, all the time. So yeah, it's been, uh, beneficial for us in, in that sense. Um, but yeah, yeah. So tw- five years in itself being our best year. Uh, that's really good. Yeah. I think, uh, I, th- I think you're right about obviously COVID affecting that we're, we're seeing that across the industry in general, like the playtime is increasing and, Xbox Live and PSN services are struggling. So everyone's staying home and they've got more time to play, which is, which is yeah. one small positive out of this terrible situation. Yeah, yeah. We, we had to, uh, we had a, you know, a lot of survivor's guilt and, you know, it's hard when you think like, oh, we're just making video games. It's like, part of me is like, well, we're just making frivolous, um, uh, you know, frivolous things. You know, we're not saving the world, but um, Lisa on our team was like, you know, and, and I think I'd shared like a message from someone saying like, Hey, I had a great time playing your games. And, you know, we try to focus on like, well, they may be frivolous, but you know, we're, we're helping people get through this tough time. You know, some people are, you know, in, enjoying themselves as a family with our games. So, you know, it's, we have to, you know, take solace in that, that, you know, we're, we're at least making people happy and smile. So rather than yeah, saving absolutely. lives. I mean, if that you just sort of, you're doing your bit very much. I mean, if, if I if I were at home as I am now and didn't have any games to play or anything like that, I'd probably be incredibly depressed right now. I'd probably be it would be horrible. And I'm but for yeah. me personally, thank, thankfully, I'm very lucky. For me personally, during this, I've been okay so far. I've kind of I'm locked down with my partner. I have a lot of games and things that I can do from home. Um, mm. And you know those little those bits of enjoyment from those games that I've got. That, that's great. That's such a what, what a what a great thing to give someone during this. Yeah, I think that that was kind of where we have to focus on because you know I'm not not out there on the front line, you know, saving lives, but hopefully we're making some people's lives that little bit better. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not just sitting there with crypto miners, you know, just sucking down energy or something. You know, trying to at least creating stuff that makes people happy. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, this risky game was was kind of like a dream thing for you, right? So you were you actually were because I remember because re- I, I love how open you are about uh, <laughs> how things work because I find it so interesting. And I remember reading that um, was it an article or a post? I, I, it was I think we just did a big, big Twitter thread or something. Yeah, big Twitter, right? I remember reading through all of that about risk, and it was so interesting about how how that happened and how that was like a dream project for you. And- yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those, um, you know, when someone says like, oh, you know, if you don't any strategy games, oh, you're going to pitch on risk and you're like, oh, I love risk. You know, it, it, it might sound, you know, disingenuous or it's like, oh, the, you'd say that whatever, but I've been yeah. lucky enough to work on a bunch of things that, um, you know, personally, you know, meant a lot to me or were, you know, my favorites. And that was even when I was doing advertising stuff. Um, but yeah, you'd be in a meeting and you'd be talking about risk and you'd be talking to the global brand manager for it. And it was a really... Um, you know, this person just lives and breathes risk that, you know, that's their entire job. And you're just having these great conversations and, you know, learning a bit more about the brand. And the, the one thing I took away from, you know, why risk has been so popular is that when you're playing it and you're playing it, you know, you're playing the world map, um, you kind of create, and you're kind of creating these stories. You know, you're not just moving pieces around, you're actually moving troops. So it's like, oh, you know, I'm defending Australia defending Australia from, you know, the advances of other other people. And, you know, people have their own narrative when they're playing Risk. And so I think that's, you know, they're obviously role-playing, but, you know, there's there's always that relatable thing where it's like, oh, look at America, you know, I've taken over America, you know, or America's taken over Canada now. So you have these little, you know, each battle is like almost like a little story that people have, um, you know, playing out that kind of, you know, worldwide domination kind of fantasy, if you will. So I thought that was quite an interesting insight that you know it's not just when you're moving around the monopoly board i guess you've got the um you know you can talk about you know buying the houses and hotels and stuff but i think you know when you consider like you're not just attacking another area you're actually making a little war story i think that was quite that was quite interesting yeah i it's a really interesting point really because i you see a lot like people that don't understand video games and say oh well kids nowadays they haven't got any imagination because they're just playing games <laughs> my day we had we had toys and we'd sit and play with little army men. But I remember when I was younger and I was playing video games, I was making up stories in my head just like I would have been with toys playing games. I would, yeah. You know, open world games, I'd be sitting and making characters. I remember doing all of that and, you know, games like this. Um, I was playing Final Conquer Red Alert and stuff at the time and I'd build stories up in my head with that. Yeah, and yeah. So yeah. they definitely do it. There's definitely imagination involved and role playing and all that yeah, I think it's you know it's up to the the individual, right? Like you, uh, you can't just blanket say it's not there. I think it just um, pe- people, you know, when you're moving. To, I think uh, cannon fodder, the old um, game. You know, each each little uh, soldier would have like a little a little uh, name and stuff. And I think that was a big part of gaming, where it's like, oh, it wasn't just a little troop; it was actually a person that got a little gravestone when you died in the game. And you know, I think those. You know those type of things. Um, you know, it's it's up to the individual to kind of come up. You know, if they want to add that meta story to them to the game, then just seeing it as a mindless, you know, shooting thing. Yeah. Um, so moving on to um, uh, No Way Home. So I think you briefly yeah. touched on it earlier. That's your that's that's your Apple Arcade game. Yeah, yeah. That's um, so that's the Pat and James, or Pat's the main um, designer on that one. Same same designer that did uh, Death Squared, 
uh, and OTT TD. So that was kind of a dream project that we pitched to Apple. And um, yeah, that one's been released. And we just did a 1.1 update, I think, last week or on the 10th. And we're working on 1.2 update now with a bunch of new kind of fun, like almost like a little mini arcade mode um, within the game. So again, we've kind of built like a, a sandbox there that we're trying to now add more things to than rather than just make the story bigger and bigger. We're trying to add new ways to play it. So that's kind of fun. I think that Apple Arcade in general is a service that's kind of gone under the radar a lot, but it's really, it's really good. <laughs> Uh, like it's, it's, yeah. it's really difficult to knock. Like I think press, like myself, when it was first announced, approached it with a lot of skepticism and, and we almost wanted a reason because it was Apple. So just because <laughs> yeah, we yeah. wanted a reason to, to dislike it. But then it came out at launch, decent price, with all these premium titles. And it's like, actually, this is a wonderful move for the mobile industry. Like, this is yeah, great. yeah. Well, there, there was so much... Um you know, trepidation, like, oh, subscription services are going to ruin the industry. And, you know, and I think people are just, you know, people are realizing the value of Game Pass now. They're realizing the value of Apple Arcade. Because um, it's, I mean, it's it's like Netflix, right? Or Spotify. There's no, you know, it's not, you can get other things. The other mediums didn't die. It's just another way to consume or another way to, you know, another way to kind of get that content. And the Apple Arcade, um curation i thought was you know they've got a really good mix in there and i think from a value point of view it's you know it's unbeatable so i think yeah, just I mean, you know p- p- people react to a headline right so they just want to find something to you know fear monger about but then when you you know if we actually get to it it's like oh this is actually really good there's some good stuff here and one of these games are like what the golf alone it's like that's worth that's worth the subscription for that month alone you know totally i mean i i for me personally, so I talk about subscription stuff and, and video game preservation and all that sort of stuff a, a lot. So for me, yep. I certainly have concerns regarding the, the inevitable future of subscription-based video games. Mm. Um, but for, 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 for Apple Arcade specifically, like it's it's such a good service and it's it's a genuinely good idea because obviously the the mobile market is um, is how it is with how it's monetized and you know, it's, it's free to play and it's and it's in-app purchase and all that stuff. Um, and it's just like, Apple Arcade is just this instant feed of great games and they're there and you have them and that's it. And and yeah, like I've just had a really good time with Apple Arcade. Like I think it's the first time in, since I had an iPhone touch like 10 years ago that I'm really properly going through uh, mobile games. Um, you know, yeah. I, I'm not that long ago finished Lego Builders Journey which is this game that oh, you yeah. play and you, you enjoy and you finish and that's it. And it's a couple hours long. And on the normal mobile market, that I just that really wouldn't just, that wouldn't exist, frankly. Yeah. Normal mobile market. Yeah, definitely. It's, I love that they also now allow, you know, Bluetooth controllers across all yeah. their suite of devices. So that, I think that was a big, um, not barrier, but it was like, you know, now with that, it's like, oh, it just makes the experience, you know, lets you, if you want to play that way, you can. Whereas before you were kind of always um, roadblocked to, you know, play it the best way with a controller. So yeah. I think, yeah, it's good. My, my only concern, not my concern, my only complaint is like when you when you fed so many great games at once, you don't know where to start. Yeah. And, it, it's, and it's almost like, you know, 
someone giving you five chocolate cakes and you're like, oh, they're all great. Um, and, but I understand like this is for, from someone like me that likes a lot of games. Um, if you're only into one type of, uh, you know, if, you, if you've got a smaller view of what, what what's a fun game, then you might have, you know, less choice. But for me, it was like, wow, there's just so much here. Um, you know, I kind of had that, you know, like almost like instant backlog day one. Um, but, you know, there's... Even I had this. to look through articles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's where I think the press and those kind of sites do those kind of, you know, these are the best of, I'd like to see more of the, uh, you know, best of for these genres and stuff. Cause I keep seeing, you know, best switch games and it's like breath of the wild. And it's like, yeah, well, no one needs to say that anymore. You know, like we all know it's great. Um, or it's like, yeah. So a few, a few more of those or even like, um, uh, even game pass could use this, that kind of, you know, filtering where it's like, okay, this is what I like, tick these boxes and then recommend stuff for me. Like a recommendation engine, um, where you physically yeah. make choices or I'm in the mood for, and it's like, you know, something that I can finish in, like you said, like one, one or two hours and, yeah. you know, and they're done. Cause you know, your, your mood or what you like changes depending on your context. So it might be like, Oh, I'm going on a long, long haul flight. Not anymore, but you know, Hey, if I got nine hours to spare, what's going to fill in that nine hours, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, yeah. I, I think what I also love about, the Apple Arcade is just that they've, yeah, they've funded games, like I said, that probably wouldn't have existed without it. So I think that's a, you know, a real positive thing for the industry. It, uh, yeah, definitely. And uh, I hope to see it do well. I hope to see it continue. Um, it's, it's a super positive thing for, for, for the mobile industry. I think a lot of gamers kind of look down on mobile as a platform. Um, <laughs> I know that. Know, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, oh, yeah, I'm sure you do. But it, I've, I've never liked that. Like I, I, I used to push an initiative um, where I would regularly share like really good and promising and decent mobile games, and you know a lot of indie developers would join in on that thread and, and share games. And I literally had a notepad once of where I would document like a hundred to two hundred really good solid mobile games, so that mm. if anyone in my mentions would be like, "Oh, mobile games, name one good game," I could be like, "Here you go. I'm gonna yeah, bombard yeah. you with like twenty tweets of like." 300 great games um it's just like of course it's and the best thing about it is the most obvious thing about it which is that everyone has one like there's no barrier to entry everyone has a mobile device um and that accessibility is great for players and it's great for developers because it's just that market's there and it's huge Um, yeah and for someone yeah it, it yeah it is annoying when someone says like oh there's no good mobile games and I also I also like games that are just you know one simple mechanic as well. Like you, mm. you you get this almost purest form of game design on mobile where the person can just release it. It's like this is all you do. It's like this is the mechanic, and you go, oh, this is this is great. I love this. Versus on console or even PC, you know, there's always this need to kind of embellish and add it and make it as big as possible. You know, I've seen people say, you know, oh, this game's only 500 meg. You know, how could it be $30? It's only 500 meg. It's like, you know, they value the game based on the, the megabyte size, um, which I find hilarious. Um, but on mobile, it's like, wow, you know, it's this one. We, we made a lot of one-button games that, you know, you play with one hand. And it's this purest form of that's, all you, that's your whole interaction. Um, and I look at the top, you know, most downloaded free-to-play games, and I don't look at them as like, a, oh, this is – 
the worst thing in the industry because these are all crappy. I, I look at them from like, why are these games so popular and what's, what's their appeal? And then you, when you play them, you're like, oh, I can see the appeal here. It's, it's just, it lets your brain just sometimes, you know, there's a lot of games that are more zen now. It seems to be the popular trend where it's like your brain can just kind of, you know, almost go into second gear um, instead of being in first gear all the time. And um, it, it's almost like mobile games are like the zeitgeist about what people want from their distractions right now. So, yeah, there's a, there's a beautiful art form in that, and just the simple games, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's also the the lack of obsession over playtime is something that I quite like with mobile games because that's mm. even even from people that even the people that are very interested in video games, they tend to get really bogged down by like playtime <laughs> yeah. value. Like, you know, oh, well, that that game can be finished in five hours, so that's only worth five dollars or something. Which is yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen I've seen those calculations. I've seen people you know rationalize those in comments. It's like it's, I mean, I've, I've I've seen someone say like I value games at about three dollars per gameplay hour. <laughs> it's like, it's it's like wow. those could be the worst hours of your life. Or, yeah, yeah. It's oh, three, dollars, if, three hours. Yeah, I mean, like if um, they want, I can have the text like do 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 do. To, 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 you know, have, have a text read out that one, and it's a thirty-hour game. <laughs> yeah, drag it out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's 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 so silly, and that doesn't seem to exist on on mobile because people will pick up their phone, take a bit, and put it down, and they they don't really view it in the same in the same way. And yeah. Just, it's just such a different platform, really. Like games yeah. that bash it, just just it is an incredibly different platform with an incredibly different audience looking for different things. And yeah. That's great. What what a wonderful thing that we get more varied games. Yeah. It, it, it is interesting with um, Animal Crossing doing so well, um, and that's one I hadn't played because it's you know I'm too afraid I'm going to get addicted to it. Um, <laughs> but that's, a lot of the mechanics in that are, are very much free to play mobile mechanics. And yeah. It's like you know the kind of stuff I've seen people say, oh, I, I don't like mobile games because if they do these things, it's like, well, that's 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 Animal Crossing, you know, you know the kind of uh, day night cycle or come back later, you know, those, those are core. Um, uh, free-to-play game mechanics and, and it's it's almost like you see people saying oh, I really enjoy this routine and I enjoy this it's like wow you know there's there's games on the mobile doing exactly that that are making a lot of money as well um, because they, they hit that kind of routine or rhythm with people it's not about sitting there for 12 hours um, having a huge session it's like lots of little like um, bite-sized snack size uh, gameplay sessions so yeah, I, yeah. I, I think I almost feel like maybe Animal Crossing will be a, a gateway for some of these other people on, for, to go back into mobile games. Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to make that comparison earlier with Souls. Well, actually, it is very much, like it's the same kind of Zen game. It's very you, you you log on every day, you do your chores, play for half an hour, you log off, sort of thing. It is very similar to a lot of mobile games. Um, I, I like mobile games that do that. To be honest, I've never minded the um oh you know you've run out of this for the day, you come back. To, I mean, it's an issue when there's a paywall. That, that yeah. Yeah, Animal Crossing doesn't have that. Um, yeah, but there are there are a lot of games that it's not a paywall; it's just to get you to play every day, um, which is yeah. great. I, I I like that. I like that. Um, you know, they try and build a build a pattern of popping in for a couple of minutes. Yeah, I had to I had to delete a bunch of uh, the idle games. I had, I was playing Egg Inc. and I was just like, I, I'm sitting there, you know, playing at the start, like I don't really understand the appeal. And the next day, like I'm on the toilet playing it, and it's like. Yeah, I still really understand the appeal. And like day four, I'm like, I'm going to delete this. I keep playing it. I don't know. Like it's tricking my brain um, yeah. into, into playing it. But, you know, there's something therapeutic 
with those idle games and um yeah i almost feel like that that's why i was afraid to get animal crossing because i'm like oh i'm going to be obsessed with that and if i've sunk money into it i'm going to be less inclined to just delete it because like there's those other games are just free but you know obviously you can pay to speed things up so i was like oh you know i better not get animal crossing because i'm i'm too addictive too addicted to games i i can get addicted to them quite easily so i, I better not download it. i'll just watch other videos that's fair enough. Um, I tend to play, Animal Crossing is an exception for me, but I tend to play games that I can play and finish, and then I've had a great time and I kind of move on from. Um, yeah. But I did get addicted to um, sort of idle clicker games for a long time, like which is oh, really yeah. like game mechanics at absolute most basic form, <laughs> like stuff yeah. like Cookie Clicker, um, oh, yeah, which I, yeah. think started, I think started off, that sort of subgenre started off as satire. <laughs> It, it was yeah. satire of game mechanics that is now a big genre that people take very seriously. Um, yeah. but, you know, I, I will have them on my laptop or on my phone, you know, things like uh, Taking Heroes or Cooking Kicker, and I'll be playing it. Um, I say playing it. Whatever you do with it. Um, yeah. But then I'll just realize exactly how much time I'm putting into it, and that there's no, you know, the, the, the progression very um, sort of fake which which seems like such a strange thing to say because i mean video games are video games they're not real um yeah. but it's just like, <laughs> it just makes you very aware of the fact that you're kind of it makes you feel like you're fine when you think about it too much yeah um, like i i have a desire to make one of those idle games with smg but like we're just trying to think like how we can put our spin on it um but i look at them and just you know it there's such a it there's there's a bit of magic in there and about you know getting it right and stuff but yeah they you know it's like how can you how can you take that and make your own spin on it but how do you do it without um driving yourself mad as well just in because I, I feel like it would just be a lot of spreadsheets and you know the fun side is you know you don't make those games to to have fun making them so we, we haven't made one yet but if we ever make one it'll, we'll try and add our spin onto it yeah that'd be interesting i've seen a lot of they are all very interesting. I've seen a lot of different spins in it, and um, yeah, they're fun. But it's just like it's very really simple because they're called idle games, but you actually end up actively playing it a lot more than you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've seen my playtime and seen how much I pop it up and sit and do things, and it's just like oh, I spent like six hours today on a game where I click a big cookie. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I had like oh gosh, I think I had like browser add-ons and everything at some point, and eventually I just kind of realized myself i was like this this is i'm not cheating anything here um yeah because i'd already got all of the in-game achievements and all that stuff it was like <laughs> there is no end game if yes yeah. i've done everything <laughs> um yeah, yeah and that's that's why i have to delete those because it's it's too easy it's like but I, I i play a lot i play a bunch of them all the same with egg ink you know just to kind of understand or you know why are people playing this and what's what's so appealing but it's, yeah, it's very deceptive. You know, it's so easy to get sucked into those. But, you know, and I think the, the more types of different types of games you play, you, you try and take out what you can from those going like, okay, that works because of this. It's kind of the Skinner's box, the kind of response. How do I take that on board and, you know, bring it into my lexicon or, you know, my, my, my game design, you know, bag of tricks for when I do the next game. So. Yeah, you've got, yeah, it's good. It's good to play those different types of games just to experience them to know, um, than just playing you know games that you 
you know, quote unquote, like. Yeah. So you you were talking about that you've sort of gone over even thinking about that sort of game. Do you have a lot of ideas kind of just rumbling around all at once? Usually, do you have a lot of, you have a lot of different yeah. things and kind of work out. And... Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like we're a much more mechanically driven studio, and mechanically being like, you know, I, you know, I kind of brief the teams like, oh, I'd love to make a game about ragdolls. You know, just using that ragdoll mechanic, you know, that'd be fun. You know, it's less less so wanting to tell a big story, just more like there's a lot of fun to have with that. And we kind of scratch that itch with um, with moving out and staying with idle games. Like, oh, there's something there. Like, how can we add our own spin on that to, you know, make it our own and have, have fun with it? So, you know, I kind of think more in the mechanics side of things. Um, the way No Way Home came about, uh, with that pitch was we had an earlier kind of, you know, we wanted to do like a twin stick shooter. So we had a, like a prototype for that. And it was like, okay, how can we take that twin stick shooter and, you know, bring it into the, you know, 2020 type thing. So uh, I think the initial kind of stimulus was, you know, what if you got asteroids, which is the very, you know, classic, you know, arcade game, but how do we bring that into 2020? So, you know, I definitely think more mechanically driven or we, you know, we kind of take one genre and mash it up or twist it. So, um, and I've, I've usually just got like my marketing brain on. So, you know, again, when I'm looking at the top games on the app store, it's, it's more for like market research, like why are people getting, why are people playing this and why are they doing it to kind of, you know, build up a, almost like, yeah, like I said, like a Rolodex of uh, ideas and mechanics that will, you know, will work for this, for this market. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, your games are all uh, are, are quite varied, which I, I like. But there is, yeah. you're right. Like they, for, for, from my perspective, they seem like they're all very mechanically interesting and yeah. um, like focal point. Yeah, I think you know where it, it's interesting when I talk to other developers and how you know whether they're pitching ideas or how they approach game design it's like wow it's like nothing like how we work you know it's like because you know we'll try and prototype and we'll think of a mechanic and you know we want it to be fun in the first couple of days and it's like yeah this is fun we can expand on this whereas you've got i've spoken to other devs where it's like they've already got the whole story mapped out from start to finish and you know how things are you know even just even how the sound will trigger at certain events in the game and it's like, man, I didn't even think about that till we we know we've got a fun game. Um, so yeah, we yeah we're definitely. Um, I think that comes from our flash game kind of history, where we're building very small games um, that you have to hook you quite fast, and we work in a browser, and you know, easy to learn, you know, kind of easy to learn, hard to master type things. So that's kind of our jam, and and fun games then coming more from a story or storytelling point of view or a film background where it's about telling a story. You know, I've, I've, I, 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 yeah, I literally have no idea how, how that, because I, I just worry about, you know, what if the game's not fun? You know, you've got this great story, but the game's not fun. And I, I don't want to wait six months into the development to work that out. So, you know, we'd rather be six days into development going, oh, yeah, no, this, this game's not going to be fun at all and, you know, move on to the next idea. There are a countless number of games that have kind of been critically acclaimed for their stories. And, you know, if, if a story's really good, a game tends to get, very good reviews um yeah but there are there are one example is god of war which is everyone absolutely adores it and i i saw that and was like i should play this you know the story is apparently really good and i i've i just got like it's not boring but it's just so slow i just got fed up with it and put it down 
And people are like, no, you've got to finish it because of its story. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit and play a game for forty hours to see what the ending's like if if I'm not having a good time. Like yeah. When I can go play something like moving out for a couple of hours and have a great time, and it's brilliant. Um, so yeah. I guess people just, you know, sometimes I'm in the mood for something that is just very story oriented, and I guess just, people have different moods in different ways. Yeah, I think uh, that's that's the great thing about games is that it's they're so varied and so different. Um, you know, I'm just. I don't know if I'll ever get the time again, or you know, maybe when the kids are a bit older, where I can just sit there and kind of um, gorge myself on a game like a, like a God of War for a very long time. Um, you know, I find, you know, I finished a bunch of Assassin Creeds and I clocked that a clock in at about 24, 28 hours. Um, you know, at one point did over a hundred hours in a Call of Duty. Uh, what was that World at War and stuff? And I just think like, how how did I ever have that time? You know. And so yeah. I'm more like yourself now where it's like, oh, if I can knock it off in a, um, you know, one sitting or, you know, or at least play enough to kind of get my, my feel, you know, I'm kind of happy there. Um, or just, you know, kind of faster fun games, you know, like um, Super Flight, you know, it's like, well, I just want to scoot around the sky for quickly, um, you know, if it's five minutes or it's, you know, between a phone call or a... Um, you know that that's kind of fun. So that, that's why I love you know games are very varied in that sense. You can experience them in different ways versus like a you know the reading the thought of reading a book. Sometimes it's like oh I haven't read a book for a while, but it's like ah oh, you know you really got to commit to you know that's going to be four or five nights in a row of reading that. It's like oh my brain's a bit sometimes just needs to relax. It's too frazzled to read a book. Yeah. I'd- I don't know when the last time I read a book it was to be honest. And, <laughs> and it was probably about video games when it was. Uh, yeah. uh, I got a I got a Kindle just to um make it easier because it's really easy to go like, oh well, I forgot to pack it in my suitcase or my bag and stuff, but um you know, and I read yeah, you'd try and you know or, or you'd hear about a book and you're like, Oh, I better buy that one and you forget about it, but the Kindle you can buy it straight away. So that, that did help me read a few books. Um but yeah, it's like anything, right? Like, you know, you kind of get in the mood. You might be like, man, I haven't eaten a fruit for a while. You know, I've, I've been eating unhealthily. And other times you'd be like, oh, I'm eating nothing but healthy healthy food. So yeah, I think right right now, like the way, because we're working from home, there's a lot of typing, um, a lot of emails and um, that type of thing. And even when you're kite, you know, your brain's kind of running on fifth gear the whole time, uh, you know, working. The thought of reading a book's like, oh, I just, it's too, it's too much requires too much work for my brain so that's why just playing sometimes you know idle games and or a simple game just helps your brain kind of you know uh, zone out if you will yeah yeah i also i also experience problems sometimes be it games or anything where my brain kind of ends up making it a task even though it's something that should be fun <laughs> it ends yeah. up being a task like I think because I'm listing stuff, so for video games, for example, I'm listing now because I'm trying to actually complete as many as possible. Um, I, uh, I'm sort of listing them. And so it becomes, if I'm playing a game and I haven't finished it in like a week or two, I'm getting frustrated just because it's a task in my head that I need to get done, <laughs> which is so the wrong way to approach that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why that's why sometimes it's good for me to mix it up with some games that are a lot less finished and goal-oriented and just Oh, yeah, I, I remember playing. Uh, was it Civilization? Was it Civilization or was it Heroes of Night and Magic? At one point, where it's all turn-based, 
and I'd play it so much that um, the way I'd, I'd be walking down the street and I, I would almost be thinking like, okay, I can't push the button to cross the road yet because it's not my turn. You know, like, you know, I would almost segment my life into these turns and be like, oh, I've played, I've played this game too much. So. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that, I think that's called the Tetris effect. And I, I get that. With, um, <laughs> I get that with, because I played a lot of Steps Mania in DDR. I would, I would yeah. regularly have it where I'd just be standing in the street walking or trying to go to sleep and I would virtually just see arrows. I would just see. Wow. <laughs> and it's just like, I have played way too much of this. Um, yeah. apparently it's called tetris effect apparently it's a thing okay i'll um, look that up <laughs> um cool it's i'm on my work lunch break and it's very late yep. over where you are so i guess we shall wrap this baby up um do you want to tell people where they can find you where they can find moving out and all that good stuff yeah uh just go to like smgstudio.com got all our links there i'm smg studio on twitter i kind of use it as my personal twitter now as well so i just have to think about how to add a game dev uh angle to any tweet that i that i add um and yeah moving out yeah just on just go to smg studio you can see all of our games there and 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 i'll get our social links yeah um and uh, the social links will be somewhere below if you're on a platform somewhere um do give them a follow um i actually especially like that you kind of use it as your personal thing as well like that you're yeah. that <laughs> I, I like i mean i've i've, I've been seeing you on yeah. that as well um, I've always liked that. Um, cool. Uh, thank, you. thank you very much for joining. Um, Thanks, Ryan. We'll definitely know when I've actually played Moving Out. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll send you yeah. a reminder tweet now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Schedule it in, harassing me a year from now, saying you haven't played it yet, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool, right. I shall catch you soon. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. This podcast is supported by Patreon. You can support it at patreon.com slash toadsanime to listen to the next episode before it releases. Alternatively, spend it on something more important, like replacing the dirty old sofa in your house. You know the one.